the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated, but they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com. And I have on the line someone who needs no introduction for 93.6% of you. That means he does need an introduction for 6.4% of you. That was fast. Mike Rowe. Yeah, look at that. Wow. My, uh, my engineer thinks highly of you, hence the applause. I think highly of him, too, actually. What, what, what did you say, Mike? I said, who are these 6.4% out there who are so but woefully, shockingly uninformed? Uh, some have been in a coma. We, we've actually done a study. Uh, 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 <laughs> some have been in Tibet studying Buddhism. Mm-hmm. There, uh, so there is an explanation for that 6.4%, Mike. <laughs> it is nevertheless troubling. <laughs> nevertheless is troubling. <laughs> Mike Rowe and I met in person a few months ago at a, at a PragerU uh, event uh, and uh, where he was the featured speaker. And uh, we, uh, I think it's fair to say we really hit it off. And uh, we laughed, we cried, it became yeah. a part of us, I thought. And became what? A part of us. It was yes, an evening it, that no, exactly correct. Yes. Mike Rowe, for those of you who don't know, is, uh, of course, the uh, executive producer and host of the hit TV show Dirty Jobs, and somebody's got to do it. But he has a new book, and i <laughs> got to read to people the way it's described. This is a book of stories, 35 fascinating stories, and this is Mike Rowe's words, for the curious mind with a short attention span. (laughs) That's me. There you go. I have a curious mind and a short attention span. (laughs) Oh, God. What, What even caused you to write this? Well... We're living in the, uh, what do they call it? The kids call it a TLDR culture. Too long, didn't read. And, um, you know, I used to see those initials pop up after a lot of my Facebook posts. If I dared say anything that exceeded two or 300 words, you know, people just kind of blew by it. So I got the memo years ago that our collective attention spans were, in fact, shrinking. And I was also reminded of one of my favorite broadcasters who I'm sure you recall, uh, Paul Harvey, who took the rest of the story and basically turned historical ruminations and biographies into these short attention spanned mysteries. And I just 
I remember, I write about this in the intro, but I remember missing a flight in 1986 because I couldn't get out of the car until I heard Paul Harvey say, and now you've heard the rest of the story. And ever since then, I've, you know, I've wanted to write stories that make people miss their planes, trains, and automobiles. And the stories are his stories, and the book is titled The Way I Heard It. So these are stories you heard, or you are reporting, you are writing stories about what you heard? I'm typically looking to people that have always interested me and trying to find something in their youth that hasn't been written about, or at least not written about much. And I look for intersections, you know, events in people's past that when you look at them, through the lens of time and history, you can pretty much see who that person was going to become by something they did in their youth. That's one way to approach it. The other way is just to unpack any number of interesting historical events through little-known elements of those events. Did your life unfold the way the 20-year-old version of you would have logically developed? No, no, nothing, nothing about my own life unfolded with anything that I think could be confused with, with logic. It was really a a combination of being willing to take the reverse commute and, and learning early on that the thing I thought I wanted to do didn't line up with the particular toolbox of talents that I had. And so you know, I, I wrote about this a lot in the graduation speech I gave to PragerU a couple of years ago when, uh, when a person's uh, dreams don't necessarily comport with their abilities. Those people typically turn in either to tragic figures or the most interesting people you know because they have to, they have to figure something out. And in the end, you know, we all have to figure out if we're on the right road and what getting on a different road means I didn't intend to go there with the book, but after I assembled 30 or 40 of my favorite stories from the podcast of the same title, it was my mother who said, Michael, this is an amazingly lazy way to approach a work of literature. Why don't you juxtapose these stories, these uh, biographies of famous people you've never met, with true stories of your own misspent youth and uh, see what happens in the way of a format, which she now describes as the feel-good hit of the holiday season. So I've got that going for me. Your mom critiques your work? She does. She always has. Um, and I, I haven't always paid her the, uh, the deference she deserves, but since she now is also a best-selling New York Times author, I really have no choice to fall in line. <laughs> I, I totally get that. So... I want to remind people, since you mentioned it, you were kind enough to mention it. Micro was given a PragerU course. We have each year a graduation speech given. Commencement speech. Commencement speech. Coming out about every May. And it is what your kid who's graduating high school or college should hear, but won't hear in 99% of the cases in a commencement speech. I gave one, uh, George Will gave one, Mike Rowe gave one. Who, who else do you, do you recall? Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink. Jocko Willink. 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 
I don't know the man. I, I, I mean, I, I should. But what is his last the name? Navy Seal. Oh, the Navy Seal. Oh, yeah, that was great. Anyway, was uh, but yours is yours is about don't follow your passion, which is so counter to what people think. Mike, as I think I mentioned, I may have mentioned to you uh, when we got together in in, in in our public dialogue, the number of homes that I have been to where I've given a talk or or done a fundraiser for PragerU or something, where I will see a sign uh, in in these wonderful people's homes. I mean, these are wonderful people. I wouldn't be in their home otherwise. Uh, follow your heart. <laughs> Sure. Right. I, I mean, it's sure. that that we're a heart. We're becoming heart based, mm-hmm. which is a, which is a problem. Well, it's feelings. You know, it's uh, it, it's not. My message is not. Don't be passionate. You I know. Be passionate. You are about passionate. Whatever it is. That's right. I'm very passionate. Yes. But passion, it's 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 too important a thing to follow around or to be led around by. And it was one of the great lessons that came out of Dirty Jobs. That that was, as a group, those were some very passionate people, but none of them looked around and said, ah, septic tank cleaner, right there. There's my wish fulfillment. You know, they simply saw an opportunity, took a reverse commute, if you will, learned how to be good at the work, and then learned how to be passionate about it. It's pretty much the exact opposite of what we tell our kids today. Uh, you know, today we say, listen, the, the, the first key to being happy and the first key to job satisfaction is to identify in your mind the thing that will allow you to feel that way. And then we go through this whole list of things you have to do to get there, including, unfortunately, in many cases, borrowing vast sums of money to get a four-year credential that leads to way way leads on to way and eventually you get the job of your dreams and then you can be happy it's actually the precise opposite of that i think you know you start looking not for the proximate cause of your your bliss but for a genuine opportunity and work it from there when i ask you uh you you deal with uh, young people a fair amount through your work Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i i hear i i have no uh I personally have no take on this issue, so I want to know if you do. I hear from uh, from employers that the work ethic is weaker among young people today than, let's say, young people 50 years ago. Is that true? I've certainly heard the same thing. And um, look, the the millennials are an easy target, and I don't, I'm not super comfortable but, cutting or painting with such a broad brush. You know, I often say that uh, we we are the clouds from which the snowflakes fell. And, and I think to some degree, expectations have changed. I do think work ethic has, has changed because I think the definition of a good job has changed. So the reason I started my foundation, which primarily looks for kids who are willing to Uh, learn a skill that's truly in demand and doesn't require a four-year degree is to is to celebrate work ethic in fact our scholarship program is called a work ethic scholarship program i i see lots of scholarships out there that focus on academic achievement or, or or talent or athleticism 
But to circle back and affirmatively say, look, work ethic is still is still a thing that paired up with the mastery of a truly useful skill will allow you to prosper. So it it was that absence of work ethic, at least as described to me by hundreds of small business owners on dirty jobs that uh, that convinced me that it would make sense to set up some kind of fund and some sort of campaign that tries to shine a light on right now 7.3 million open opportunities, many of which don't require a degree. Okay. I want to talk to you about that last thing about requiring a degree. Uh, unless it's a very specific skill uh, in engineering uh, or medicine, in other words, STEM, science, technology, uh, what is the E? I always forget. Engineering. Engineering and math, yeah. Except there and, and maybe a handful of other cases. I don't understand why a college degree is necessary for anything. Well, I doubt that it is in the same way that it used to be. You know, 30 or 40 years ago, Part of what I paid for, anyway, in the early 80s, was access. I, I didn't have access to anything other than a library, you know, in terms of accessing information that was truly going to be useful in a liberal arts background. So my liberal arts degree served me well, but it cost $11,000. That's three years in a community college and two years in a university. And the exact same thing today would cost 92000 I did the math. I went through the exact curricula and added it up. So it, at some point, you can't have the conversation of value in a vacuum. You, you can't talk about a college education purely as an investment in your future. You, you have to do some kind of practical calculus. And today, we we have something that we didn't have in in 1983. We have a smartphone. And if you have an Internet connection, you now have access to 98% of the known information in the world. I watched a lecture last night from MIT for free. I I try and watch one a week. Anybody can do this. So I'm I'm not comparing a deep dive on YouTube uh, with an actual four-year degree. I'm just saying that one costs hundreds of thousands of dollars and the other doesn't. And at some point, we're going to have to figure out where it tips. And I would suggest that it already has. $1.5 trillion in student loans are on the books. Your movie with Adam Carolla is damned important because the safe space mentality is, is festering underneath of all of this. And it's metastasizing. And all of it is is connected. Our work ethic, our definition of a good job, a definition of a good education, the the cost of all of the above. It, it's all intertwined into our expectations. And mm-hmm. my, you know, we we have to push back on it in whatever way we can. And the point I wanted to make in the last segment was that that commencement thing I did for PragerU was important to me because it was personal. And now it's doubly important because it's one of the restricted videos. Um, I got it. I got it unrestricted. That That but... is unbelievable. Unbelievable. How did you get it unrestricted? I've got five and a half million people on my Facebook page. I just went there and said, look, this can't happen. I just gave a six-minute commencement speech that dared 
to suggest that the best path for the most people might not be the most expensive path and that your dreams, as they exist right now in your mind, might not be the best example of true north for you to follow. That was the underpinning of the message I did yes, with It was terrific. It was, it, and it was restricted two weeks later and stayed that way for over a month until right. until my Facebook page weighed in and said, wait, what's happening? But there are a lot of people that don't have five million. That's right. Facebook. That's exactly right. And, and there, are, <laughs> so, there are a hundred more videos that remain restricted at Google YouTube. Listen, yeah. uh, this is this is great to talk to you. We've got to do it more often. Folks, the book, The Way I Heard It, and he writes as interestingly as he speaks. And it's uh, they're terrific stories. I treasure it. Mike, thank you. Dennis, anytime. Privileged to know you. Keep fighting the good fight. I love what you're doing. Well, that's a lot. It means a lot. He's a serious man. And he has learned a lot from life. And they're in these stories the way I heard it. Hey, thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. Our podcast is sponsored by Alliance Defending Freedom. ADF provides help at no cost to those whose liberty is being violated. But they can't do it without your help. Call 800-691-8969. That's 800-691-8969. Or visit townhallreview.com.